Attention! This makes absolutely no sense. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Sanders Facts. Y'all, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what just happened. I don't know. I feel so many emotions right now. And are all... I don't know what's going on. By the way, this is Xander's Facts. I am Xander. This is not a new episode of the podcast, but this is an instant reaction to the U.S. Men's National Team's CONCACAF Nations League semifinal match against Mexico. Because, listen, y'all, I wasn't going to do an instant reaction podcast, but what we just witnessed warrants an instant reaction podcast. It is, it is almost 1 a.m. Eastern time. So this may get very bad, very quick, but I just, I, I had to put my thoughts out there on what we just witnessed because I'm, I'm excited. I'm thrilled. I'm just over the moon. And at the same time, I'm angry. I'm pissed. I'm, uh, I don't know, like all these emotions at the same time. I don't know what's going on, but we just witnessed an absolute thrashing, a beatdown of Mexico. One that we have not seen in our lifetimes. 3-0. Trace, forget about Dos Acero, what we were talking about last week. Trace Acero. 3-0. USA 3 Mexico, nil. And somehow, I'm still angry and upset, and I don't... Ugh, I don't know. This is not gonna sound very professional like our regular podcast. I'm not editing this. No goose sound bites. This is just me. I don't have any notes. Usually I have, like, pages of notes for my podcast. I have no notes. This is coming straight from my heart at 1am in the morning on a Friday in the middle of June of an hour after that match. That was, we could only watch in English on Paramount Plus streaming service that just ended, I don't know. Let's just, let's just talk about it, y'all, because there's not just the game to talk about. There's not just what happened on the pitch. There's what happened in the stands. There's what's happening in the U.S. Soccer Federation. Like, we just found out who our next manager is going to be, and our next manager is apparently the same manager that we had last time, which is all that stuff, but there's just all that, I don't know. I don't know, let's just, like, go through this game, because everything that's going to come out of me is probably going to happen then. Like, this is unfiltered, at-night, facts, expletives possible, nothing's off-limits, I'm, I'm going crazy right now. I mean, let's just talk about this game. It was built up as, listen, Mexico has not beaten the United States since 2019. Remember the Nations League final two years ago between the U.S. and Mexico, which I like to dub as the game that got me into soccer, because if y'all haven't watched that game, this game in some ways tops that game, because I lo- that was a great game two years ago. This, if you're a U.S. fan, was a great game, but if you're a fan of soccer, maybe it wasn't a great game. And so, coming into this match, we have a U.S. men's national team who, since December, since Greg Berhalter's contract ended, doesn't have a permanent manager. Anthony Hudson was the manager for a couple Nations League games and a couple friendlies in the winter and the spring. 
He goes to Qatar. He's managing a club in Qatar now. So now we have the interim to the interim. B.J. Callahan, a Philadelphia Union assistant coach, an assistant coach under Greg Berhalter, never been in a, a head coach at the professional level in his life. And his first match managing is against Mexico. Not just a friendly, a competitive match. The CONCACAF Nations League. You remember what happened two years ago and all that was around that match. So you're like, oh, well, the sequel is probably going to live up to the hype. And in a lot of ways it did. But like, this is your first time managing. And you've been around the US for the World Cup, obviously. He was there for the World Cup. But his first time as the manager, the one making the decisions, who's going to start. And we looked at the starting lineup and we were like, holy cow, this is amazing. Front three, Pulisic and Weya on the wings, who obviously were great in the World Cup and who are our best wingers, obviously. And then at top, at striker, oh my gosh, the debut, the one we've been waiting for, y'all, the dual national who said, you know what, Gareth Southgate, screw you. I'm coming to America. I'm coming to wear the stars and stripes. Lauren Balligan. First, I have this stat. I'm just scrolling through Twitter, y'all, and I found this stat. First U.S. men's national team player to start on his debut against Mexico since a man named Julie V in 1976. Y'all, we were hype. But not just that. You have Eunice Musa, Weston McKitty in the midfield because obviously Tyler Adams is injured. He can't go. Along with Giovanni Reina, who does dyed his hair blonde. You're like, oh my gosh, he dyed his hair blonde for the Mexico game. This man's going to do some stuff. And then in defense, Jedi Robinson, of course, on the left, on the right, Serginio Dess in the middle, Miles Robinson, Anthony's brother, and Chris Richards, who plays for Chris Dolpalis, and then Matt Turner in goal. You look at that lineup, you're like, that is the best lineup that we could have put out there. Bar, you know, with injuries and whatever. Best lineup. It looks great. BJ, you've got my support so far. The match starts, and you know what? I mean, it wasn't great. It wasn't bad. It was, you know, so-so for most of that first half. And then, Christian, our Lord, our liege. Christian Pulisic, the pulley goat, the god himself. The man who scored that penalty to beat Mexico in extra time in the Nations League final two years ago. By the way, this isn't even the final. This is the semifinal. We still have another game to play on Sunday. But Christian Pulisic, I believe it was like the 22nd, 23rd minute. Oh my gosh. Beautiful. Beautiful footwork to just get into the box. Go around Ochoa the goalkeeper for Mexico, and then everything but the finish. He just skied it a little bit when he didn't really need to. And you know what, man? He was not happy with himself after that. You saw him. His teammates were like, come on, man. He's like, no. He was pouting. But you know what? He redeemed himself later, let me tell you all. Because in the 37th minute, oh my gosh. I'm watching the replay right now, and I think I'll play the audio for you. But listen, that ball's just like in the center. It's like people are on the ground, like right, out, right outside. 
of the box. Like, let me see. Like, I'm watching the video right now. Like, let's see. There's Balogun. Way is there. Pulisic. Reyna. Like, they're all in there. And then Geo, Geo goes down. Ball somehow gets in the box. Pulisic. Like, none of the Mexican defenders know where the ball is. Pulisic finds it. It's heading... It's on the left side of the goal, heading kind of towards the goal. Mexican defender doesn't know. Ochoa is kind of just standing there. Pulisic finds it and just shoots it. Holy cow. Watch that shot, y'all. That is dirty. Holy cow. On, with his left foot, he falls down, of course, because that's the pulley special. Man. I mean, here, I'll plug in the audio for you here with uh, Dre Cordero and Mo Adu on the call for CBS and Paramount+. Plus. Trusted the players to take ownership. So Antuna, the first player booked, that gets away from Weah. Back on the ball is Weah. Torina. And he's brought down just outside of the area. Reference on nothing wrong with it! But on the follow-up, Pulisic makes no mistake! This time he finishes! Holy cow, like, Drake Cordero was surprised by, like, oh, oh, there's a goal! I mean, that was to open up the scoring, 37th minute. And in that same minute, 37th minute, Uriel Antuna for Mexico gets a yellow card. Now you're like, okay, whatever, yellow card. But that became a little, for Mexico, that became a little important later in the match. So just, you know, hold on. It's 1-0 for the U.S. Mexico, they're definitely not out of it. They look, I mean, they don't look great, but they look okay. The U.S. had a couple chances, and they looked really good. They looked okay, though, in that first half. Nothing, you know, they didn't look like world beaters. Nothing really special, but, I mean, Pulisic, oh my gosh, the GOAT. And you know what, actually? With that goal, he tied Joe Max Moore. Y'all know who Joe Max Moore is? For sixth. On the all-time goal-scoring list for the U.S. men's national team, he had 24 goals, only 59 caps. Joe Max Moore had 100. So listen, he was moving up the sheet. But you know what? Halftime happens, and then we get back out onto the pitch, and bam! Absolute shock to Mexico. The U.S. comes out on fire like Something we have not seen from the United States of America in a long, long time. And it ends up, I just, I don't know. I'm going to play you the audio from CBS again because, spoiler alert, there was another goal. 46th minute. Everyone who supports this national team. Look out, it's a wonderful ball from Weston McKinney to find Tim Weah. Options streaking into the area. Pulisic back post! He's got a second! They stood in an aggressive posture waiting for Mexico to come out of the locker room. And straight out of the locker room, the U.S. doubles the lead. McKinney to where? To the captain. Pulisic to Mexico nil. So like Timothy Weah, who shot it in. Excellent cross. Pulisic is there, center of the box. Ochoa has no chance, ladies and gentlemen. And by the way, that I was watching the match, by the way, with a friend of the podcast, Andrew, my own brother, who does our March Madness podcast with us every year. And he said, which I thought about this too, he was like, that shot, that goal, the second goal from Pulisic looked really reminiscent of his goal against Iran. 
where the cross came in and he just <laughs> and that was the one where he got hit in the penis. But he didn't hit Ochoa this time. He only hit the net with the ball. Listen, y'all. Oh man. And you know what? Capping it off. Celebration, rock, paper, scissors, y'all. I mean, nothing can beat rock, paper, scissors celebration. So now Mexico's screwed. It's Dosacero. Dosacero's happened how many times? Mexico's like, oh crap, what are we gonna do? So they bring on a couple of substitutions in the 54th minute. They bring on Jonathan Herrera, Santiago Jimenez, numbers 9 and 11, which they lined up very interestingly while trying to get into the game. I don't know if you know this. But after the Pulisic goal, I told you all that yellow card in the first half would play a role for Uriel Antuna, and it did. Because after the goal, can't remember what time it was in the second half, but Antuna and Reyna collide, you would say. But what actually happened was Antuna's arm swung into Reyna's face, and he was bleeding. I think his nose was bleeding. But, like, watch it. If you haven't watched it, watch it. How is that not a yellow card? Oh, no, he had a yellow card in the first half. How could we send him off, please? Come on, ref! Like, I can't really describe it to you, but, like, you look at it and you're like, um, that looks like a yellow card to me. Listen, y'all. That was the first Conca-Caffey thing. I just, I don't know. It's Dosicero at this point. And then between the 59th and the 63rd minute, we get th four yellow cards. Two for Mexico, two for the U.S. So Jimenez, who just came in for Mexico, and Israel Reyes. And then for the U.S., the Robinson brothers, Anthony and Miles, they both got yellow cards. That was the first little scuffle that happened. Then, then, in the 69th minute, I know, nice. 69th minute, Cesar Montez for Mexico is battling with Florin Balogun. Montez had the ball. He's losing to Balogun. Balogun, who I thought played a, you know, he didn't score a goal. They didn't really have any chances. I mean, when you're a striker, you need to get, people need to create chances for you. Didn't really happen. But I thought he played all right. And he definitely, holy cow, y'all, he definitely showed some potential. Like this guy, oh man, he could, he could be good. But you know what? He's battling Cesar Montez. Montez realizes, oh, I'm going to lose the ball. So you know what? I'm just going to wild kick at my guy, Falorn Balligan. And you know what? Deservedly so. Referee, thank you very much. Straight red card. But oh no. Oh, this, this is terrible. So now we have this whole scuffle. And it, when it's U.S.-Mexico, listen, y'all. U.S.-Mexico never disappoints. Doesn't matter if it's 1-0, 2-0, 3-0, 3-2. It never disappoints. And let me tell you all, we had our... First, well, this was another... This was the first big scuffle that happened after that. Players are grabbing each other. We're pushing. And Weston McKinney for the United States ends up getting a, a red card. Why? You would ask. Well, because if you do look at the video... He put his hands on the neck of a Mexican player. But if you search the internet, which I did because I remembered this from several years ago, Weston McKinney has had his throat 
clamped on by Mexican players with the referee right in front of them. You think there was a red card? Oh, no. No, there wasn't. And you know what? He was getting pushed. How is he? He's acting in self-defense because all the Mexican players, all they, they realize now, this is the 70th minute, all they realize now, oh, we're not going to win this game, so we're going to go to shithousery because we're not going to win this game. We can't do it legally or whatever. So we're just going to, you know, push you around and try and instigate you, which, you know, did happen because they gave Weston McKinney a red card. But how, why is that a red? His, did y'all see if you watched the game? His shirt was ripped open. We could see his chest because his jersey was ripped. He had to get a new one. And then he just went off like a minute later. So it didn't really, he didn't really need to get the new one. But he's acting in self-defense. Referee and VAR apparently told him to give him the red card. Like, oh no. Seriously, give me a break. You know what? Whatever. So then we make a couple substitutions. Reina comes off, De Luca De La Torre comes in, and Ricardo Pepe comes in for Balogun. Balogun had enough. 74 minutes, he was like, okay, this is not England, this is not France, this is CONCACAF. Oh, he was, listen, y'all, he got a grand introduction to CONCACAF tonight, let me tell you all. Balogun comes off, Pepe comes in. Pepe, who's been, Balogun's been scoring goals for Rhymes in France. Pepe was scoring goals for Groningen in Netherlands. That man has been on really good form. So he comes in five minutes later. Five minutes later. Let's roll the audio from CBS. Counter movement there. He just reads the game so well, and he deserves a lot Look of out. credit here. It's desperate Pepe. Ricardo Pepe rounds the keeper. It's a third. Magic from Dest. So Serginho Dest, who was having a terrific game as right wing back, once again, makes his little moves. AC Milan, what are you doing? You didn't play this man. You could have beaten Inter in the Champions League semifinal. You could have beaten Man City. You could be Champions League winners if you had only played Serginho Dest. That man was absolutely balling tonight. He gets it to Ricardo Pepe. Pepe only has to beat Ochoa. Oh. Man Ochoa, I'm so sorry, but that's a third. You were not that great tonight, let me tell y'all. But initially, it was waved offside. The referee, the far, the AR, assistant referee. Look at the replay. Um, uh-uh, that man's not offside, so it ultimately counts. 3-0 to the United States. Now it's Trace Acero. This isn't Dos Acero anymore, y'all. This is Trace Acero. And um, the match wasn't over, y'all. We still had, that was 79th minute. We still had at least 11 minutes, plus some more, like 86 minute. Shoving match happens in the far, well, if you were watching the game, it was the far left top corner around there. Ball was out of play. U.S. players and Mexico players started pushing, and I was just listening back to the audio. Drake Cordero, who was calling the game, literally just said, Mexico is out for blood. It's the 86th minute. They have absolutely no chance, and they're out for blood, and they instigate pushing. Edson Alvarez gets a yellow. Chris Richards for the U.S. gets a yellow. Then, because Gerardo 
Ortega decides to get into the face of Serginho Des and push him in the face, he gets a red. Serginho Des rightfully retaliates, and so he gets a red. Like, ref, well, what? I don't understand. The, the U.S., first off, Mexico was out for blood. They knew, you know what, let's just kick the shit out of him because we don't care. We're playing in a stupid third place game. They're going to play in the final because we suck at soccer. We can't play correctly, so you know what? We're going to shithouse. Let's just try and kick these players out. And you know what? They succeeded in that one. That's the only thing they succeeded in last night was just trying to kick U.S. players out because they kicked two of them out now. Weston McKinney and now Serginho Des, who have red cards. So they can't play in the final against Canada on Sunday. Like, the man, we're acting in self-defense, bro. Good grief. Like, you notice, all the U.S. red cards came after Mexico red cards. Who was instigating? It was Mexico. Oh, but the ref, oh, I don't know. So then Ochoa, the goalkeeper, comes in. I don't understand. He got a yellow card. I, I gotta be honest. I don't understand how Ochoa got a yellow card. Maybe he said something. I don't know. Like, maybe the ref was just pointing at random people because, listen, after that shot at Gio Reyna, which happened, I, it was like in the 50-minute, somewhere around there. After that happened, the ref lost the game. He lost control. Awful. Awful performance by this referee. CONCACAF's going to defend him because CONCACAF is conca crap, but this man was awful. He lost that match in the second half. He was just pointing at random people. Ochoa. Oh, here you go. You get a yellow card. Pulisic comes off in the 89th minute. Goes to hand his armband over because he's the captain, and he gets a yellow card. For what? What are you doing, referee? Like, what are you looking at? What was the yellow card for? I still don't know. I've been on the internet for the last hour. I, no one knows. What was the yellow card for? No one understands. Listen, I saw this from Christian Pulisic. I saw this on Twitter. Like, not from Christian Pulisic's Twitter, but someone on Twitter, at USMNT underscore thoughts. Uh, they tweeted this. Christian Pulisic just looked that Mexican player in the eye and said, I won a Champions League final. Who the fuck are you? And that's why our level has eclipsed Mexico, because he's absolutely right. Listen, man, Christian Pulisic is in... He's got that dog in him. Holy cow, especially against Mexico. Chelsea, what are you missing out on? You just watched it. You just watched a brace. Should have been a hat trick, but, eh, you know. A brace works in this match. And so that was the end of the cards. Let's count them up, y'all. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen cards. Nine of them yellows, four of them reds. We were playing nine on nine at the end of this match. Oh, by the way, twelve minutes of added time. That was a good idea. Which, by the way, we didn't play all twelve minutes. Why? Because now we have this other thing to talk about. With Mexico. Not with the United States. Not with their fans. But with the Mexican fans. CONCACAF knew what they were doing. They put the Nations League final in Denver two years ago. Pro-Mexico crowd. Overwhelmingly. 
You Then they put it in Las Vegas this year. They knew what they were doing, and it was absolutely decidedly a pro-Mexico crowd. Listen, y'all, this is, a, this is not, this is reality. I wish this wasn't a fact, but it was. The United States men's national team is not the most popular team, soccer team in this country. It's the Mexican national team. Like, we're working. I'm working on this podcast to try and change that. But the reality, and when you look at the games, and of course, CONCACAF is going to put them where they can get the Mexican fans to buy the tickets. But that's the reality. So you have a pro-Mexico crowd, a lot of whom are leaving at that point because it's Trace Acero. But also, they resort back to their tactics. They were talking on the CBS studio show of, like, listen, if Mexico starts losing and it's not looking good for them, their fans are going to get upset. And when their fans get upset, they don't just do what normal fans do. They like to, I don't know, say homophobic chants for some reason, which they started doing. They have been known to do this for years. They've been punished. They had to play matches without fans in Mexico because their fans were shouting, I'm not going to say it on this podcast, homophobic slurs. They know it's bad. They do it anyway. And so that happens. You hear it at le- we hear it at least twice, and the protocol is the referee pauses the match. Which, come on, man. Like, that doesn't do anything. Pause the match. Oh, oh the fans are going to be like, oh my gosh, the match is paused. We should stop. No, that's not what happened. Because Matt Turner, the goalkeeper for the U.S., has a couple goal kicks. And the Mexican, you can hear, oh, as he's building up. And Matt Turner, you, the camera's on him. He knows what's about to happen. He kicks the ball. And in unison, they all shout it. The homophobic slur. He knows. He, and he was like, give me a break. Like right after he kicked it, like he knew. Just shrugged his shoulders, waved his arms. Like he knew that was going to happen. And so it happens again after the stop. And the referee doesn't do anything. Then Matt Turner, another wind up, another goal kick, another wind up. Oh, he knows everybody, every single person who's watching the game, who is in the stadium, knows what's about to happen. And the referee lets him kick the ball. Another in unison by all the Mexican fans. A homophobic slur, which I'm not going to say. And the referee finally blows the game dead. Not, we didn't play 12 minutes, we played like 6 or 7. Has to blow the game dead. Because of the Mexican fans, who are disgusting! That's disgusting! They know not to do that, they know it's horrible, and yet they do it anyway. Everybody knew it was going to happen! But CONCACAF is not going to care. That match should have been forfeited by Mexico. 3-0. We should get our red cards rescinded. Because they had to stop the match early. Because the Mexican fans who come into this country... By the way, they live in this country, by the way, the Mexican fans. Don't root for the United States. Root for Mexico. They come into the stadium in the United States and 
chant their homophobic slurs. It's disgusting. What can the U.S. men's national team do about it? What can U.S. soccer do about it? They can't do anything because it's a CONCACAF event. If U.S. soccer was putting on the event, they would put it in Las Vegas. They'd put it in Columbus, Ohio. But CONCACAF, by putting it in Las Vegas, after the same crap happened in Denver, and the same bottle throwing, throwing beer onto the pitch towards the players, the referees, the coaches. They did it in Denver. They did it again in Las Vegas. And you know what? Oh, you could say, oh, well, how do you know that's not the U.S. fans? We know because every time we play Mexico, this happens. And when we play anybody else, anyone else, Canada, watch the Canada game on Sunday. None of that crap is going to happen. But it happens every single time we play Mexico. Because not just the players play dirty. I don't know what's going on with their coaches. The federation. I don't know. The fans were dirty and disgusting. It's disgraceful. They should, they should have been forfeited. They shouldn't play the third place game. They should be kicked out of the Gold Cup. Kick them out of Copa America. Kick them out of the World Cup. Some, they've got to actually do something for it to stop. But CONCACAF, FIFA, they say, we want racism to end. Discrimination has no place in soccer. Well, do something. Pausing the match, ending it four minutes early, isn't doing anything. Like it's an absolute joke. Mexico lost on and off the pitch last night because they're the players who played that was disgraceful and the, the fans there if you're a mexican fan how could you be proud about wearing your team colors right now because that was disgusting not just the players who were playing shithouse football, CONCACAF at its finest, trying to get the U.S. players injured, which because they know, they know that the U.S. U.S. men's national team, U.S. soccer, has gone far beyond them. They're on a rocket ship to the moon, the U.S. men's national team, and Mexico is digging their own grave. On the, their youth development, what's going on with soccer in that country is not good. Things are not looking up for Mexico. And that's why, because their federation is an absolute mess. They just hired a new coach. Tata Martino's gone from, after the World Cup. They just hired a new coach. And now they're already talking about getting rid of him. Like I said with Chelsea last week, sometimes it's not an issue with the manager. It's a federation problem. And it is absolutely a federation problem with Mexico. Like, you'll love to see the U.S. just beat up on him because they're our rivals. But this is just sad. It's just sad at this point and disgraceful. But they don't face consequences. CONCACAF needs to do something. Don't be CONCACRAP. FIFA needs to do something. U.S. soccer needs to take a stand or whatever they can do. They can't really do anything. Because why should we keep playing Mexico in Las Vegas and Denver and Los Angeles like we could do in the Gold Cup final next month? In the Southwest, where they know the Mexican fans are going to show up in mass. And they're just going to embarrass themselves and their country and their federation. Why should Mexico play in the U.S.? They shouldn't be playing in the U.S. Like, ugh, sorry, y'all. Holy cow. It's just, they're just so disgraceful.
just, I mean, uh, there's a lot of Mexican fans and Mexican, you know, listen, y'all, I want to do that Donald Trump thing when you say, you know, when Mexico sends its people, they're not sending their best. But there's so many great people from Mexico. And, and what me- the Mexican national team showed on and off the pitch last night was just awful. Like, I feel bad for them. So, like, it's really hard to feel bad because of just all of that. But I, I kind of do. Like, I, jeez Louise, man. Just, so, the match was not abandoned. It was not suspended. It was not whatever. Because they were just finishing four minutes before the 12 minutes of stoppage time. That's what Nico Cantor tweeted. He was the sideline reporter for CBS. So it was ended on the ref's discretion. So he says, what are the protocols for then? The chant was heard four times and there was the buildup and we knew it was going to happen. Like, ugh, we're going to move on, but like something needs to happen. We can't keep doing this. Mexico on and off the pitch is just getting worse and worse. Like, ugh, I don't, listen, y'all. That was, that was that game. 3-0. We're out. Serginho Dest, we're out. Weston McKinney for the final against Canada. Sunday, 9 o'clock, Paramount Plus in English, Univision in Spanish. And like, I don't know. I, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, <laughs> listen, Canada didn't look that great against Panama. They beat Panama 2-0. They didn't look that great. They claim they're the kings of CONCACAF because they don't have any trophies. They just finished first in World Cup qualifying, which doesn't mean anything because the top three teams all went. But, like, after what just happened, like, uh, the players, they... uh, You need to be in the right mindset. You're like, we just lost two of our guys to silly red cards that were not really their fault. Self-defense against dirty Mexican team is what they were playing like. Watch the match if you don't agree with me. It was totally real in the second half. They knew they were going to lose, so they just started playing dirty. Like, you need to be in the right mindset. Like, what we saw at the beginning of the second half, what we saw was some of the best soccer from this U.S. men's national team in a really long time. And that was under B.J. Callahan. Like, you know what? Greg Berhalter's apparently coming back. Hasn't been confirmed. It's been reported. He's coming back, which I have a lot to t- say. I don't want to say it all on this podcast because it's late and this is going long and we could talk about it on the future podcast. But, you know, why wait six months? And apparently he's not even going to coach the Gold Cup. Like, uh, what? He was the manager. He knows these guys. Come on, what are you doing? I don't understand. But, like, you know, I don't think it matters. The guys we have, people make fun of me. People make fun of us for thinking about this. This is the most talent we've ever had on the U.S. men's national team. And when they play, when they work, they look incredible. Like what happened at the beginning of that second half was beautiful. The Serginho Dest, his play, he got the red card, but I thought he played amazing. Like I'm looking at the FOP mob scores, whatever that means. Pulisic, obviously, 9.3, star of the match. 
Des should have gotten more than a 7.4. That's obviously because of the red card. But he had the assist for Ricardo Pepe. Like, I thought, out of that back line, and I thought both the Robinsons played really well, and Chris Richards, who we kind of underlook, because obviously the Bun brothers, Tim Reams, Walker Zimmerman, who were at the World Cup, but Chris Richards, the guy who plays for Crystal Palace, doesn't play, didn't play often this past season, but he... That's the future right there, Chris Richards as a center back. And, you know, of course, you just watch Matt Turner and you watch him from two years ago with the ball at his feet like he's scared for his life. Like, uh, what is he doing when he was at New England Revolution? And now that he's been at Arsenal for a year, I mean, he just uh, he just looks so confident and composed under pressure. Like, it's a totally different person. Like, Matt Turner, he's, he's a really good goalkeeper, y'all. So... I guess my initial thought to Burhalter is, okay, whatever. I'm not going to beat myself up for it. Like, what, what all can we do? But listen, the player, like, on Twitter, all this was kind of building up because Patrick Vieira, the former Crystal Palace coach, was in the, na- in the news. Jesse Marsh, his agent, tweeted Thursday night just before the match that Jesse Marsh is no longer a candidate. So we're like, oh, okay. And then reports come that, a decision's going to be made very soon. We didn't think a decision was going to be made until August. It might still not be. All of these rumors that have first reported by The Athletic, confirmed, I believe, by like Fox, ESPN, CBS, everybody, maybe they're not true. I don't know. But I'm assuming they are, that Greg Berhalter, after a six-month absence for whatever, I just, I don't understand why, you, that's the only thing. I don't understand why you wait so long. And with this new regime, too, it's not like the same people are in charge of U.S. soccer. So this is a new group who's decided that Greg Berhalter is the guy for the job. But you know what? The player, it was on Twitter videos of the players who were like, yeah, Greg, we like Greg. We think that he could come back. He should come back. Pulisic, uh, I think, was the most vocal in saying, yeah, he, he deserves to come back. So from that standpoint and from the standpoint of what I just watched under an interim to the interim manager, whatever, it's not... Jose, Jose Mourinho, it's not Pep, it's not whoever, the big names, it's Greg Berhalter. But you know what? I still think we could win Copa America next year. I still think we could win the World Cup in three years. I didn't say I think we will, I said I think we could. Because we have so much talent, and guys who don't come into camp like they do at Belgium and hate each other, Guys who really like each other and really like hanging out with each other. Like, this team has talent. They have chemistry. Just, you know, you you talk about those, or some of those, you know, famous teams, like these super teams that we've seen in soccer at the international and the club level. And at some point, you just say the manager's job is not to screw it up. Maybe Greg Berhalter just doesn't need to screw it up. Like, if he just doesn't screw the pooch then we'll be okay. Because Trace Acero, y'all, and I know Mexico is trending in the downward direction, but listen, we are still trending up. So, Greg Berhalter's coming back, so what? I don't hate him. I love him now. GGG. GGG, if you want, come on the podcast. Because you are our national team manager, and the guys like you, so I like you. You know, I'm not gonna go all crazy about this obviously i i made it clear on this podcast i preferred somebody else i didn't think 
you know, with all the drama. We'll see what happens with the Gia Reyna drama, all that stuff. I don't know what all happens with that. But if Berhalter is indeed the person who is going to be managing U.S. soccer through the 2026 World Cup, then so be it. As long as he doesn't screw up, I think we'll be okay. You know, so I don't, I guess that's all I have. I don't, Canada game is on Sunday. I honestly don't know what's going to happen. There's a trophy on the line. I think, you know, obviously we'll have to replace Destin McKinney, but I really like what I saw from the U.S. men's national team Thursday night. I thought they played a really great game. If it wasn't for Mexico, they would be in prime shape to absolutely dominate Canada. They still may. They may have nothing left after that game. I don't know, but I'm certainly rooting for the U.S. If I had to make a prediction, I'll go 2-1 U.S. for our second ever, the second ever edition of this tournament, second trophy in the CONCACAF Nations League. And then, of course, y'all, we got the Gold Cup coming up, which starts later this month and goes until July. Then we have the Women's World Cup. We're going to be talking a bunch of soccer on future editions of this podcast, but I, I'm wrapping this up now. It's, I mean, this is the most un- informal podcast thingy. It's not an official episode. It's just an instant reaction thing that I'm doing. It's almost 2 a.m. in the morning here on the East Coast. I'm running on crazy fumes. I don't know. But, like, I just, because I'll give you all, listen, behind the scenes, look. We here at Xander's Facts, and by we, I mean mostly me, have been looking at, we were looking at maybe doing a live stream on YouTube of this match. Like, you know, our reactions. Listen, y'all, I was, I was really tired this week. We didn't do a regular podcast. We did a Xander's Facts flashback, but holy cow, after this, I totally wish I did on YouTube. We're, we're definitely going to, at some point, we're going to live stream our reactions to U.S. matches, probably in the Women's World Cups. So you're going to want to maybe check a look, take a look at that. But I, I, I had to get my thoughts out there because that was, I mean, wow. That was just something. And like I said at the beginning, I'm super pumped. I'm excited. I'm proud. But at the same time, I'm kind of angry, pissed. And I don't know why, because I don't really care about Mexico. It's just they, you know, they can't, they can't do that in our country. We can't allow that to happen. And it's not even about the Greg Berhalter thing that I'm angry or pissed or about. Like, I, if he's the manager of the national team, that's great. Then I'm 100% behind him unless bad things start to happen. But you know what? We remember Greg Berhalter came into this job in 2018, 2019, I believe. We were at the bottom. We were, we were where Mexico was right now. We didn't make the World Cup. The roster with Bruce Arena that tried to qualify was Pulisic and a bunch of guys who were done, past their prime. Great, a lot of great American players on that squad who, it, it was time. Burhalter comes in and it's a youth evolution, obviously. He doesn't control youth development, these guys, you know. But even just getting guys like Ricardo Pepe and Serginho Dest, and Anthony Robinson, 
and all these, and Balogun to some extent, Tim Weah, all these dual nationals who had choices to play for countries like the Netherlands and Nigeria and England and Liberia, and who play for the U.S., and Greg Berhalter was a massive part of that. And obviously, guys like Reyna and Tyler Adams and Pulisic, the guys who were born and raised here in the U.S., are going to be the ones that inspire the next generation of kids playing soccer and who are going to take this sport to another level in this country, which it's going to happen, y'all, because, like I said, Copa America next year, World Cup in three years, which we have serious chances of competing in because we have a lot of talent. You know, people look at Messi and Messi's coming to the U.S., obviously. Messi and Ronaldo and Mbappe and all these guys from other countries, and now we have players like that here. Maybe not to that level, but still guys who will inspire the next generation of soccer players in this country and will take soccer beyond a couple of other sports that it's below right now. Like y'all, I said the title of our last week's podcast was It's a Great Time to Be a Soccer Fan in America, and that still holds true because our future for this U.S. Men's National Team is bright. That doesn't change if they lose to Canada on Sunday. And in fact, my sentiment with the U.S. men's national team, with MLS happening right now, and MLS is fun to watch, and Messi coming to America, it just, what this match did was just reinforce all of that. So, yeah, I guess. That was 45 minutes of my, I guess, my post-match thoughts. I don't know, maybe we should do this more often if you all liked it. Because this is kind of like the first instant reaction podcast thingy that we've done. It's 2 a.m. in the morning, so I kind of, you know, maybe don't want to do it at this time of the night. The the Nations League final is at 9 p.m. on Sunday, so hopefully it won't be up this late. But maybe we'll do more stuff like this. And the live streams on YouTube, maybe where we're watching in real time. Like tonight, with all that happened in that match and the Burhalter match, like I... Y'all, I really want to, I really regret not doing that, but we'll do it. Hopefully we'll get all that sorted out, set up, so we can do that soon. Because I think that'll be really cool and awesome, and it'll help spread the facts. And we, of course, love spreading the facts, but I don't know. That's all I have, y'all. I'm tired, I'm going to go to sleep, but I've got a lot of emotions in me. But I think what triumphs them all right now is just excited and proud for our U.S. men's national team because they played great again against their main rivals. And there's a lot of reasons to be angry and upset and embarrassed about that game and everything that happened around it. And maybe even with the manager situation and everything that's going on with U.S. soccer and all that stuff. But I just, you know, I I don't, I just wanted to wrap this up. Like I don't, straight from the heart, no notes, U.S. men's national team. Y'all, main takeaway about all of that that just happened, I think, at least we're not Mexico. We should be proud of our U.S. men's national team because it's not going to stop here. It is going to keep going. The 3-0, the Trace Aceros, stuff like this, without all the, you know, red cards and the CONCACAF and the homophobic chants and all that stuff. Forget all that. Just, as I've said about a hundred times now in the last two minutes. Be proud of our U.S. men's national team. But I guess that's where I'm just going to wrap it up. I'm just going to plug a couple things. Remember to follow 
Xander's Facts on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all those at Xander's Facts. Remember to tell all your friends about the podcast. Our newsletter has, is Xander's Weekend Facts, weekly recap of the week's top headlines every Sunday morning. This is U.S. Mexico, U.S. Canada might write about that in some way. I don't know. Check it out. I'll put the link in this episode's description so you can sign up if you want to. And then, as I mentioned, we do have a YouTube channel, Xander's Facts on YouTube. I'll try and post this reaction podcast with a nice background and all that stuff because I'm not recording video to YouTube. So you can watch and subscribe on all that. Really appreciate it. And also, of course, Xander's Facts link tree, which I'll also link in this episode's description, has all the Xander's Facts links that you need for the podcast, for the newsletter, for the socials, for YouTube, for stuff like this, for all that stuff. So. Yeah, after all that, this is Xander signing off. This has been Xander's Facts. Xander's Facts!